blessing to be here. <clears throat> it's a lot colder here than it is in New Jersey, and there's not many places that I go that I can say that. A lot of places that I travel, it's more down south than it is up north. Uh, I think today we had a record high day. It was like 55 in New Jersey today. Uh, and a lot of people in New Jersey right now would be like, it was freezing today. And I'm like, you have no idea. They still got snow on the ground. I was in the parking lot down the road, and there was like these giant mountains of snow. We don't ever see that in New Jersey. And, uh, but it, it's a little bit colder, but that's fine. It's a little bit more icy. That's fine. Uh, but I'm thankful to be here. Um, if you have your Bibles, I've kind of been debating what I was going to preach uh, there was two messages that I kind of was going between, but I think I finally picked the one uh, that I feel like the Lord has me uh, to preach here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn them to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Just got myself situated up here. I'm kind of guy where I like everything to be perfectly aligned in the perfect way. Let's make sure I'm all good up here. I thought before I preached uh, here tonight, um, I'd kind of tell you a little bit about my testimony, a little bit about me, so you know kind of about the guy that is up here preaching. Um, I was uh, raised in a Christian home, as uh, Pastor was just talking about. Uh, my uncle was, uh, my great uncle was Earl Thompson, who was Pastor Rick Wiedemeyer's uh, pastor and my pastor's pastor. And um, so, but I, I was privileged to grow, uh, grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was saved at an early age. My grandfather was saved at an early age. Uh, and so I, I, I was saved at an early age. I started to, uh, I mean, we always went to church, but I started attending uh, Jersey Shore Baptist Church uh, when I was about six years old. Uh, the church that we were going to at the time as a family, um, you know, it was, it, it was a good church, but it wasn't a Baptist church, and they just weren't straight on certain doctrines in the Bible and all different things. And uh, my dad, I'm thankful for a dad that was a leader. My dad, you know, he, he just felt like that church wasn't really what we needed as a family. Uh, we began to look for uh, a church. We found a couple, but we ended up going to uh, the church that I currently attend, Jersey Shore Baptist Church. Uh, I was about six years old when we started going, and it wasn't shortly after uh, we had started going that um, uh, my pastor had preached a message that was uh, it was just a straightforward gospel message, and um, he preached. I think he preached in the morning about heaven, and at nighttime he preached about hell. And I just remember thinking to myself, as a six-year-old little kid, I know when you're that young, you're the wicked, the most vile sinner that there is out there. I don't know if you all have ever been in the nursery before, um, but I remember I went home that night and. Uh, you know, it was getting kind of late. It was dark outside, and it was in the summertime. Uh, and I remember I was just laying there in my bed, and I was just staring at the ceiling, and I just couldn't help thinking to myself, what would happen if I died right now? Uh, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? And I just wasn't sure. And that was the first time I ever remember questioning, you know, what was going to happen when I die. Uh, and I just was terrified, and I just couldn't sleep. I got up. Uh, in my little six-year-old mind, I probably thought that it was like three in the morning. It really was probably like 9.30 at night, but I went outside. Uh, my dad was out there working, and I was still in my pajamas and everything. I ran out there, and uh, I, I just went up to him into his arm and said, Dad, I don't know where I'm going if I die, I'm, and I'm scared. And he said, all right, come, come right this way. He took me right to his work truck, and he had a pile of gospel tracts in there. Uh, he led me through the plan of salvation, and I got saved that day. Uh, and I'm very thankful for uh, a father that, you know, would carry gospel tracts on him. I'm thankful that I had a godly heritage and 
Uh, you know, if any of you were saved out of the world, I'm thankful for your testimony, but I'm very thankful that I, I, I missed out on all that stuff out in the world. Thankful that I was raised in a Christian home and in a good church. Um, everything was going well uh, for me. You know, it was just, I was in a Christian home, Christian family, going to a great church. Everything seemed to be going uh, well. Uh, but then when I was about uh, nine years old, uh, and leading up to that, you know, I'd always really liked serving in church. I remember I was telling the teens in Sunday school this morning, uh, one of the first um, ministries that I was ever give, given, I was kind of a really annoying little kid, and uh, I was always up to my pastor, like, I want something to do, give me something to do, and he was like, I got the perfect job for you, and I was like, I'm ready. He was, I was like, what is it? He was like, I don't know if you're ready. Ah, never mind, I don't think you're ready for this. I was like, no, 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 I'm ready, I'm ready, and um, he was like, all right, now this is a big job, and it's a lot of responsibility. He was like, uh, can you take this piece of paper? I was like, all right, I got this piece of paper. He was like, every single week I need you to go outside, and I want you to count the cars. And I was like, yeah, awesome. I was so excited. I went out there each day, and I, I counted the car. I made sure I counted all the cars twice just to make sure I got the right number. Uh, if I was sitting in the service and I saw a shadow go by on the wall and I knew someone pulled in, I'd be like, I'd scratching it down, I'd get a whole new piece of paper because I don't like when, you know, something scratched out and I was writing in a new, new number and uh, it was just the best, I was trying to do the best that I possibly could do. Uh, about a year later, he was like, listen, you can count the cars and I want you to count the people that are in the auditorium and I just remember being like, whew, he was right, I can't handle this, this is, this is intense. Uh, but, you know, I was just doing little things like that to help my pastor out and um, uh, when I was nine years old, uh, I got some news that would actually end up changing my, the course of my life completely and dramatically. Uh, when I was about nine, I was either nine or eight years old, um, you know, I got the news that my dad, he was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself back then, uh, you know, when you're that young, you know, you idolize your father. My dad was a big guy. My dad was 6'2". Uh, I was telling, I don't even remember who I was telling, it might have been the teenagers, he was a beekeeper. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, people that go out there to, to deal with beehives and stuff. You know how they usually have like those big old suits on? They got that big hat with the net that, no, my dad didn't wear any of that stuff. He'd go out there and do the bees in like shorts and a t-shirt and uh, he was a man's man. But I remember thinking to myself, there's no way uh, that anything that anything could ever, you know, conquer, you know, that great man that I had as a father. And, but it ended up actually being a pretty short battle. Uh, after six months, he uh, passed away from his cancer. Uh, and for me as a nine-year-old, that was a really big moment in my life. Um, my brother, I have, a, I have two older siblings and a younger, sis, a younger sister. And uh, my brother is about five years older than me. And at the time, uh, I remember uh, right after he passed away, he had texted, I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with uh, Solid Rock Baptist Church, they're a big church that's in New Jersey, uh, but he texted one of the uh, pastors there and he said, listen, I just wanted to let you know uh, that our dad passed away today, but I also wanted to let you know that God is still good. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, how, how could you think that? I, I just remember thinking just there's... Uh, no way that I don't, I can't think that God is good. God took my father away from me. And I, I was real bitter uh, for a while. And, um, you know, just going throughout just that young age, just, you know, I still went to church and I still counted the cars and I still did the things that I was supposed to do, uh, being a good Christian young man. And, uh, but inside I was just being eaten alive by bitterness. And I've heard it said that bitterness is the only uh, poison that, that destroys its own container. And I just remember I was living bitter, and I just, I, I just didn't like it. And I got to a point to where I was a teenager, and I don't remember if I was 13 or if I was 14. I was just a very uh, young teenager. 
But I remember sitting in my room one night and I remember just thinking to myself, like, I, I don't want to be bitter anymore. And I know that, you know, that God is going to take care of all my needs. I know that God uh, is going to be there for me. And I know that he has a will and a plan for my life. And uh, I remember sitting there. Uh, I just, I was like, I, I don't want to be bitter anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And as a young teenager, I remember um, I closed my eyes and I, I put my hand down on the Bible and I was just going through the pages. And I was like, Lord, I pray you just give me a verse that would help me right now. I know that sounds kind of childish and uh, whatever, but the Lord used it. My finger landed on Psalm 34, 8, I think it is. And the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, that was the day that I remember just kind of giving my life to God. And that was the day I got rid of all that bitterness, and I just started serving God with a joyful heart. Uh, and I've been in my church since I was six years old. Um, I uh, went through our Christian academy from first grade to 12th grade, graduated from there June 4th, 2014. Uh, for you, you guys were like, uh, like, you're probably not thinking about For me, that was like, whoa, that was a long time ago. You guys are probably thinking, like, what are you talking about? That was like yesterday. Uh, I'm, to me, that was a long time ago. And then uh, going through my senior year by, um, of my senior year uh, was when I first got approached with the question of where are you going to go to Bible college? And I was like, what? Are you crazy? I hated school when I was a teenager. I just hated it. And I could, just the thought of going through more school, but this time voluntarily doing it, I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. But that was the first time that the Lord really kind of uh, prodded my heart a little bit about Bible college. And at the time, there was no Bible colleges in uh, this area. Uh, there was ones that, you know, the big name ones that I always, I always thought about. And there was West Coast and there was, um, you know, Crown College and Golden State. And those were ones that I was thinking about. Uh, but at that exact time over at Solid Rock Baptist Church over in, uh, it's kind of West Jersey, West Southwest Jersey. And um, they, they had started an institute that year, a Vision Baptist Institute. And I didn't really know if that was going to grow into anything or anything like that. But um, leading up to right before I graduated, we had, um, we had um, two evangelists, uh, an evangelist and his wife that came to our church uh, that night. They used to just pop in all the time. And uh, they're very well respected in um, our circle of churches. And they came in. <clears throat> and um, the wife came up to me. We, we all call her Ma. Ma comes up to me and she's like... Uh, She's actually Brother Charlie Clark, uh, the pastor at Solid Rock. It's his uh, mother-in-law. And she comes up to me, and she goes, she's real, the nicest lady you'll ever meet. And she goes, you going to, um, Vision is having an open house today. They're, they're opening a college next year. Are you thinking about going to their open house? And I was like, I kind of just, I didn't really want to go to college still. And I kind of just pushed it aside. I was like, nah, I wasn't really thinking about it. Sweetest lady you'll ever meet. She looked me dead in my eyes, and she said, you're going to go. And I was like all right, yeah, I'm going to go tomorrow. And so I went to that open house, and that was the first time that the Lord really uh, put on my heart just the real burden for ministry and, and the need of going to Bible college. And, you know, my flesh, I still didn't want to go. And so uh, just from the advice of my pastor and other people in my life, I said, God, I'll give you one year. I'll give you one year, Lord. Uh, and, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I enrolled uh, in September of 2014, I enrolled into Vision Baptist College. It was the college's first year uh, being a college, and so there was a lot of new stuff there that, you know, it was all brand new for us. It was all brand new for them. Uh, it was a pretty good experience. Uh, Brother Charlie, um, the pastor over there at the church, he kept telling us over and over again, y'all are the foundation of what this college is going to be. Uh, this, you know, whatever you set, 
is going to be the standard that is set for in the future. Uh, and it was a lot to put on our shoulders, but, you know, I was thankful for it. But I went through that first year and pretty much how the college worked, and most colleges worked this way, uh, you had to pay off whatever semester you were in. You had to pay that off in full in order to move on to the next semester. Uh, and so I started, and uh, I was a, I'm a landscaper, and so uh, I can't really landscape during the, during the day I was, being, I was at school. So I had to find something that I, would, I could do at nighttime. And I found a job bussing tables at a pizzeria, and I wasn't making good money there. And I was like, all right, Lord, this is the job. It just kind of popped out of nowhere, and someone just was like, hey, did you hear they're hiring there? I was like, sure, I'll go check it out. The guy, literally, I went in, and I was like, hey, I heard you hiring a busboy. And he handed me a shirt, and he said, you start on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And so uh, I was just working my way through Bible college and going into winter break. Um, you know, I was behind on my school bill, and you know, I was like, well, you know, I told God I was going to give him one year. Maybe this wasn't God's will. Maybe I can, you know, maybe this is, you know, how it ends or whatever. But I was like, you know, I'm going to stick to what I told God. I told God I was going to give him a year. And so I, you know, worked my butt off. I got whatever hours I could get. I was shoveling snow, even though in December we don't really get much snow in Jersey. You guys have already had probably like three feet already. Um, but just doing whatever I could do to make some extra money. And uh, about a week before the semester, the spring semester was starting, I still owed like $400. And I was like, ah, came so close. But, you know, I, I couldn't do it. And, you know, I kind of was giving up. I was not going to really re-enroll into the next semester. And I got a phone call from a pastor. Uh, and he was like, hey, I'm just letting you know somebody in the church, they, uh, they paid the remaining balance in your semester. I just wanted to let you know that. And I was like, like I was just blown away by it. And so... I started that spring semester. I finished up. I paid off whatever I owed from that semester during the summer, my summertime job. Uh, and so I got this, this burden for just continuing, keep going. And I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you, I'm going to go for the whole four years. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to finish my degree. And so I enrolled that, that next fall semester, and I'm not even kidding. I could not find a job anywhere. I probably put, I only live about 40 minutes from where the college was, so I still was staying at home. But I put in an application probably every single establishment in that entire town, and I didn't hear back from any of them. I called them, like, hey, I put an application. I was just wondering if you saw it. We'll get to it. We'll call you back. Never got a call back, and I started panicking. I was like, I knew it. I told God I was going to give him one year, and that was all he wanted me to do is one year. And I, I, I jumped the gun. I went again and um, started really praying about it. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to finish. I'm not going to be able to uh, catch up. And, you know, how colleges work, you don't pay your school bill. Man, they, whew, they track you down. Uh, they, they do whatever means necessary. You know, you try to dodge those calls, and they start sending smoke signals to you. And it's like, uh, and the one day, um, it kind of caught me off guard. I see my phone ring. It's about, I'm about a month into the semester, and I haven't paid one bill. And um, I looked down, and the financial secretary's calling me, and I was like, ah, here we go. This is it. This is the phone call that says, hey, I'm sorry, but you haven't paid your bill. You, you're out. I answered the phone call kind of very hesitantly. I don't know if you've ever got a phone call from someone you know is asking for money, and you're just like, hello? And um, answered the phone, and he was like, you sound, you sound disappointed. Are you, I'm telling you, this, this, I'm just letting you know right now, this is actually a good phone call. That I'm not calling you to tell you you're out of school or anything. Uh, he was like, I just was calling to let you know that somebody just paid two grand on your school bill for the fall semester. And I just was, I, I didn't say anything. I was completely speechless. And uh, the guy on the phone, he was like, sounds like you're speechless. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you a call back some other time. And I just remember being just in awe. I think of Psalm chapter four, uh, talks about standing in awe, 
being still and standing in awe of God. And that, that was a moment for me where I was just like, wow, that, that was, that's incredible. So I finished up that fall semester, that spring semester. I stayed in the, the dormitories of our school. Uh, and then just leading into my senior year, junior year went great. Um, and leading into my senior year, you know, um, I had made it there. Uh, we were about a month away from graduation. And, you know, I, I had actually somehow, you know, I was paying off as much as I could with the job I could find. Uh, but I, I owed, ended up owing at the end about three grand. And I just remember being like, oh, there's no way I'm going to pay it off. You know, I made it this far just to, ah, oh, man. Uh, in order to, I was still going to graduate, but I wouldn't receive a diploma. They'd just give me an empty book, and I'd smile, take the picture, and they'd be like, right, give the book back. You get that when you pay your bill. And so I just remember being like, I really don't want to do that. I just really wish that I could take my diploma home and started really praying about it, praying hard. Uh, and about uh, the last week of school, somebody out of the blue again, I don't know who it was, or actually I knew who this one was. I didn't know who the other ones. They came and they ran, they didn't help me out at all and they paid uh, two grand of that three. And I was like, whoa, like I wasn't expecting it. It came out of nowhere. It was an answer to the prayer. Uh, but I still owed a 1000 I remember thinking to myself, I was like, all right, God, uh, you've proven yourself time and time again that you're going to take care of my needs no matter where I'm at, whether I'm at college or somewhere else, you're going to supply. And I remember all throughout college, you know, all my paychecks, they went right to my school bill, and whatever was left went right into my gas tank of my car. And I had an old car, and that car, whew, that thing sucked down fuel. And, you know, I remember there was multiple times I didn't have enough money to fill my gas tank, and those were the weeks that random envelopes would come in the offering, and they, it would have my name on it, and the ushers would be like, hey, someone put this in the offering plan, open it up, and it would be um, a $50 gift, a gift card to. Any of you guys know what Wawa is? Any of y'all? Wawa's are huge in our area, but they got a gas station. People would give me a $50 Wawa gift card. I'd go fill my tank, go get myself a bite to eat. And it, it was just the Lord just kept providing. Because college students, you know, you're always starving. You're always starving, right? Always. And, um, and so I lived off of ramen noodles for like the whole entire four years of college. And so, uh, but the Lord just blessed. And so I still owed about 1000 I just remember thinking, like every time something happened, I'd be like, ooh, this, this is how the Lord's going to take care of it. Because I knew it was coming, but then I would be like, Oh, never mind, that person's still walking that way. And I'd be like, oh, oh, here it comes. That person's coming up to talk to me. And they'd be like, hey, wait, how, how you doing? I was like, good. And they'd walk away. I'd be like, oh, I, knew, I know it's coming. And um, I just didn't know where or when. I just knew it was coming. And uh, about a couple days before um, I finished up and graduated, um, the, the church that the college was at, uh, we had a quartet that I was in that we sang in college. And um, um, they had us sing at the church, you know, the four of us, we were graduating, we were going to be gone, going our separate ways, they just wanted the, us to sing at the church one more time, and I got up there, and we started singing, and I gave the, we sang our first song, and then Pastor Clark was like, all right, I want you to give your testimony, Wade, give your testimony to the church, and uh, it's a pretty decent sized church, and a couple hundred people, and uh, I gave him my testimony, he was like, all right, go ahead, sing some more songs, and you know, I was standing up there singing, and I had this, these pair of shoes on. It was the only pair of shoes that I had, and I think I wore them all four years of Bible college. And I'm standing up there, and my feet are actually, like, bending like this because the sides of my shoe were coming off, and they were breaking. And I'm standing up there, and I'm singing, and the one guy was like, hey, look, look at his shoes. His shoes are, his shoes are breaking. They were bad. They are probably the worst shoes I ever owned then. Uh, he then, we got done singing that next song, and he stopped us, and he was like, hey, church, the Lord just put this on my heart. Um, Wade's graduating in, uh, in a couple days, and 
look at his shoes. I thought he was just gonna, he's, I thought he was just gonna embarrass me up there. Like, let's all laugh for a second at Wade's shoes. And, you know, I just remember thinking like, what is he about to do? Why are you pointing out my shoes? Like, I'm kind of hiding behind the pulpit. And uh, he was like, the Lord just put on my heart that we should probably try to buy him a new pair of shoes before he graduates. And I just remember like, whoa. He was like, all right, church, let's try to raise 150 for his shoes. And I remember that even blew my mind because, you know, shoes, I usually go to, like, whatever store I can go to where you can buy shoes for, like, $3. I was like, <laughs> it's like you go there and you buy, like, these cheap shoes and you wear them as long as you can. And then you just go back and you buy another $3 pair of shoes. And so I was like, 150 I was like, that's, that's kind of that's something I'm not used to. I was like, that would be the biggest blessing ever. And uh, he was like, you guys keep singing. There's an offering plate up here. He was like, if you guys want to help wait out, just bring a couple bucks and throw it into that plate. And uh, we kept singing. And I'm, I'm just looking down like this. The whole time we're singing, and I'm just, I'm getting overwhelmed with emotion as I'm watching little kids come up with $20 bills and throwing it into the offering plate. And uh, I'm up here singing. We were singing, Ain't God Good. And I just remember thinking, like, ain't God good. And um, we get done singing, and there was a bunch of guys up there counting it. And he goes, all right, how much did we raise for his shoes? And somebody uh, down at the bottom would yelled out, $1,200. And I just remember, I almost passed out. I almost fell backwards on my broken shoes. And uh, uh, so I bought myself a new pair of shoes, and the rest of the money went right on my school bill, and I was paid off. I graduated June, or I graduated on May 10th, 2018. Uh, that also feels like it was a million years ago, but that wasn't too long ago. Uh, and I've been serving the Lord in my church um, as fervently as I can. I work for a landscaping company that's a guy in our church started so that we would have more time with ministry. Uh, and right now I'm part-time at my church, but I'm just thankful for the way the Lord has used me. I'm thankful for the, the, the trip, the journey that I went on. And uh, one of our church themes one year was enjoying the journey. And I'm just thankful for uh, the journey that the Lord has put me down. Uh, there's definitely been times where it was rough and hard. And, uh, but, you know, every valley has its mountain. And I'm just thankful for... Uh, you know, the way that I went and the Lord was there with me the entire time. I asked you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're just going to read one verse here. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, this is a message that I have preached it before, but it was one of the ones that the Lord had placed on my heart. Um, I wanted to preach something about Christmas, but the Lord was like, no, no, I don't want you to preach about Christmas. I was like, all right, Lord, I'll follow you. I've tried to preach messages that I thought were best before and they don't go very well. So we're just going to go with what the Lord told me here. Um, I, I've entitled this, this message, Recipe for Being a Better Christian. Uh, how many of you have baked before? You've baked cookies, a cake, anything. I don't know who made, who made the cheesecakes. Are they, are they here? I had a slice of cheesecake today. That was phenomenal. Uh, but baking, and, you know, when you're baking, I remember as a little kid, my mom would never really buy sweets and cookies and stuff. Uh, she never really bought that stuff for us. And so as a little kid, I'd be at home. My mom would be at work, and I'd be like, I really want some cookies right now. But my mom always bought eggs and flour and all that other stuff. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to make myself some cookies. All right, my mom's not going to get me cookies. I'm going to bake myself some cookies. And uh, I remember this one time in particular, uh, it was probably like the fourth time I made cookies. I made cookies all the time because I loved cookies. And um, so I, I'm, I'm like, you know, this time I don't, need, I don't need the directions. I, can, I don't need the recipe. I can just 
I could make it by memory by this time. And so I'm just cracking them in, all the eggs into the thing, mixing the flour, the chocolate chips, and uh, I'm stirring it up. And I remember thinking to myself, something doesn't look right. But I was like, nah, it's probably just whatever. And I stirred it up. I put the cookies in the little cookie scoop, put them on the tray, spaced them just perfectly. You don't want your t- cookies to touch because then you got to use a, like, a, like a pizza cutter and you got to cut them all up. And uh, I put them on the, in the pan and I threw them in the oven. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I'm really excited. These cookies smell good. You know, the, you bake cookies. The whole house smells like cookies, and uh, I heard the little timer go ding, and I opened up the oven, and I, I honestly had to take a step back because I didn't even know what I was looking at. <laughs> I think I put way too many eggs into the recipe, and I opened up that oven, and there was a whole cake sitting there on the middle of my tray. It had rose real high, and it was overflowing off the pan. And I was like, what is this? And so I took it out, and I put it down, and, you know, I cut a little piece off, and I ate it, and I was like, this is, I just threw it right away. Probably one of the worst things I've ever eaten before. That also might be the last time I made cookies. But, um, but just like with those cookies, a, um, a recipe is very important to follow. Uh, sometimes we might think like, oh, well, I think it might need two extra eggs. But then we put in those two extra eggs, and what do we end up? We end up with something that kind of smells like cookies. It remotely kind of maybe looks like cookies, but it, it's not cookies. Uh, it, it's a couple ingredients away from being cookies, but it's not cookies. Uh, and if I were just to forget about the eggs, or if I was to forget about the flour or the baking soda, whatever I've decided to forget about, um, each ingredient is just very important to make that final product that you're trying to make. And so uh, this message is entitled, The Recipe for Being a Better Christian. Now, of course, there is uh, multiple different things. You could just make a list a mile long of what goes into being a great Christian. Uh, but these are just a couple of thoughts that I wrote down that I just the Lord put on my heart. The first verse is Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, you probably can think about what the first ingredient is. The first ingredient is faith is faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Now faith is the substance of thing, things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, verse number six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Uh, and, you know, if you kind of think about the Christian life, what we're, what we're striving for, what we're, uh, the reason why we live is to please and glorify God the Father. Uh, and so the first thing I wrote down is faith. It's the building block. It's the first thing you need without faith. Um, how can you believe unless you have faith that Christ died for your sins? Uh, and so the first thing that we need to have is faith. Uh, I have here, uh, we must have faith as a child. And the Lord was talking about that. Uh, in the Gospels, you know, if you have faith as one of these little ones. Uh, and sometimes, you know, us as Christians, we can, the older we get, it seems, you know, the less faith that we have. Uh, and I remember as a little kid seeing some task that might have been completely absurd. But I remember as a little kid, I'd be like, let's build a ladder in the middle of the auditorium to the attic. And, you know, the older people would be like, why would you even do that? But I was like, we, we could probably sit people up there. We could do something with it. You know, these little, like, just dumb things. Um, but, you know, if we have faith as a child, uh, we could do great things. Uh, you know, sometimes we just think that things cannot be done. Uh, and then because we start to reason in our own minds what we think is right, um, we don't have the faith to believe what 
uh, the Lord has told us, we kind of just write it off. We kind of push it aside. We need to have the faith of a child. Uh, secondly, we need to have the, uh, the faith the size of a mustard seed. And, you know, you know the passage of Scripture uh, where the Lord says, you know, if you have the, the, the faith of a grain of mustard seed, and mustard seeds are very small, very, very small. But if you have that little, little tiny, you can barely see it. But if you have that little bit of faith, the Lord says you can go out there and you can move mountains. Uh, and I'm a landscaper. That would come in handy very well. If I could just tell a mountain to get out of the way, move, and uh, I'd probably make a lot of, I'd have a lot of customers. I'd have a lot of money. Uh, but I don't have faith in the size of a mustard seed, and a lot of us don't. And I know people in my life that I could say, uh, that person definitely has the faith the size of a mustard seed because you just see great and mighty things that the Lord does um, in their life. And so we, you know, that's such a minuscule, just such a small thing, but uh, we need to have faith that size. Uh, and back to verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Uh, you know, we just need to, like the verse before talking about uh, Enoch, uh, the end of the verse says that he pleased God. Why? Because he had faith. We need to have faith as Christians or we're not going to please God. Uh, we're not able to say, Lord, I want to see you do this thing and I have faith that you're going to do it. Um, you know, we don't have that faith. The Lord's not going to work in our lives and we're not going to see the impossible. In order to see the impossible, we need to have uh, faith because it is impossible to please him. So faith, point number one, faith. Uh, the next point that I have here in our recipe for being a better Christian if you turn your Bible to James, James, next book over, James chapter number four, we'll look in verse number six, verse number six, but he giveth more grace, wherein he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble, verse number eight says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you, verse number 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And so our second point here in our recipe for being a better Christian is humility, is humility. We need to be humble. We need to be living uh, low. We need to be living uh, in just such a humble way, not lifting ourselves up. Um, I always, I heard the saying while I was in college over and over again, the way up is down, the way to live is to die, and the way to grow is to get low. Uh, and so we need to, as Christians, we need to be uh, humble uh, the Lord resisteth the proud. And when I think of that word resist, resisteth, um, I kind of think about football. And I don't know if any of you all watch football, but when the guy gets the ball and he's running, he's trying to get the touchdown, he's trying to get to that end, that end goal, there's a guy coming, he's trying to tackle him. His job is to not let that guy get into that end zone. Uh, and he's running, that guy's like, I'm going to get you. I'm totally going to get you. And he goes out to get that guy, and the guy kind of just puts his arm out, and he stiff arms him. He resists him. He blocks him away. That guy's trying to get his goal to tackle that guy, but he's resisted by the guy running the ball. And he just gets put right into the ground, and that guy scores the touchdown. And I think about when it says in that verse that God resisteth the proud, uh, you know, we are trying to do whatever we're trying to do, whether that's serving in ministry, whether that's just working at the job or whatever we're doing. When we're being proud, when we're not humble, uh, the Lord is resisting us. We're trying to get where we're going, but we just can't because God's just putting us down. Why? Because we're just, we're too, we're too proud. Uh, we're not going to be able to get there because God's just going to resist you. And I don't ever want, you know, just like the last point, I want to please God. Uh, but with this point, I, I don't want God to resist me. I want to get as close to God as I can. You know, I, whenever I'm going through a hard time, I don't want God to resist me. I want to be able to give God a, a big old hug. I don't ever want to be resisted by the Lord. 
Uh, in the next verse, you know, ver- or verse number eight, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Uh, you cannot draw nigh to God with a proud and haughty um, heart. You need to be humble. Uh, and then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You know, and we shouldn't humble our, I, I think it's false humility to humble yourself for the sole purpose of, well, if I humble myself, then God will lift me up. And no, that, that's false humility. We're not, we're not humbling ourselves for the goal of eventually being up there where everybody can see us, uh, but we need to live our lives so humbly, and then the Lord will take care of everything else. The Lord will put you where you need to be. Because sometimes, you know, you might be in a position where you're uh, over top some people or whatever, and uh, you might be having that proud spirit, and you might be living like that to where you then want to have an impact over people, but people are like, I'm not going to listen to you. Are you kidding me? You're the most proud person I know. Why would I, why would I listen to what you have to say? And we lose our influence because of how um, high our, and, and haughty our heart is. Uh, and humble yourself. You know, I think of that phrase, humble yourself. Uh, and I, I just put this out here. I don't know if this is Bible, uh, but it says humble ourselves. And I just think that it is best if we take the step to humble ourselves and to get low instead of us being too high and God has to humble us. You know, because when God humbles you, you end up on the ground looking back up and all you see is God. Uh, but if we take that step to humble ourselves, that is the best way to go. We need to uh, humble ourselves, but we also need to lift God up. I think of Psalm 150, uh, and, you know, that, that's a very short chapter, but it just over and over again just talks about praising God, lifting God up, uh, and we need to live that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 150 talks about just lifting God up. So point number one is we need to have faith, the faith of a child, the faith of a mustard seed. Number two, we need to be humble. Uh, We need to live low. We need to lift God up. The third point that I have here, if you turn to Romans chapter 12, very familiar passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verse 1 and 2. The next point that I have here is in order to uh, you know, get to the end goal of being a great Christian. Number one, faith. Number two, humility. But number three, we need to be separated. Number three, we need to be separated. Verse number one says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Separation. So we see in verse number two, and be not conformed to this world. When I think of that word conform, um, I think about how many of you guys, I keep asking you all, all these different illustrations, how many of y'all have ever made jello before? Here we go, all these great snacks that I've always wanted as a kid, my mom was always like, I'm not gonna buy you that. I'd be like, all right, I'll make it myself. And so Jello, I think about, uh, you know, you, you get that gelatin mix and you mix it all up and you put it into whatever bowl. You know, if you want to get creative, you put it into a bowl with a weird shape on it or something. And it was, it was what? At first it was just like water. It conformed to everything that you put it into. Uh, and you put it into the fridge. And I think the time was four hours. And I'd be sitting there. I'd set a timer for four hours. I'd be like, all right. Three hours and 59 minutes to go. All right, here we go. And I would just be sitting there. And finally, four hours passed by or whenever it got cold enough. And you'd open up the fridge. You'd take that out and you put it on a plate and you'd flip the bowl over. You'd shake the bowl a little bit and it would pop out. 
Now, before, the jello was just kind of like water. It was kind of just all over the place. But when you flip it over and you pop it out of there after it's cooled, what does it then look like? It then looks like the bowl or whatever container that you had it in. And so we as Christians shouldn't be conformed to the world, but we should be conformed to God. We should be conformed to godly things. A lot of times in the present day that we live in, uh, the world rubs off on us and you know, you find yourself doing things you shouldn't do or thinking ways you shouldn't think, but we need to constantly be conforming to the, way, the ways that God um, has us to uh, live. Verse 1 says, I, <clears throat> I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, and I had an instructor in college who used to always say, uh, when he would read that verse, every time he'd read that verse, whether it was in a class, whether it was in chapel, he would always say, you know, the funny thing is about a living sacrifice, and we'd always be like, what is the funny thing about a living sacrifice? He would always ask us in that way, uh, and he would say, the thing about a living sacrifice is we all have a tendency to crawl back off that altar, uh, and he used to, all, every time he'd read that verse, that's how he would read it, but we're supposed to be a living sacrifice, uh, we're supposed to be holy <clears throat> and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's, 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 our re- that, that's reasonable. That's what we should be doing, uh, is living our lives as living sacrifices, living our lives holy, or as if you ever read through the book of the books of First and Second Timothy, uh, it talks about in those passages of Scripture, it talks about over and over again about being blameless and being holy. Uh, we need to be holy, and we need to be acceptable unto God. That's our reasonable um, service. Um, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, talking about complete will of God. Uh, And I kind of, you know, a lot of people, especially young people, you see it a lot with teenagers, they're always questioning, you know, what's the will of God for my life? You know, who am I supposed to date or who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go to college? What am I supposed to do with my life? And there's plenty of passages of scripture in the Bible that clearly say this is the will of God. Uh, We need to do those things that are already revealed to us in the scripture before God reveals to us what is that next step that we're supposed to take. And right here we see that the reasonable, or we see that the, the perfect will of God, that complete will of God, is living in a way that is acceptable unto God, which is the holy way of living, and it's by not conforming to the world, but being transformed by the power of the gospel. So point number one, we see we need to have faith like a child, uh, the faith of a mustard seed. We need to be humble. We need to be low, but we need to be lifting God up. Point number three, we need to be separated. Uh, You know, God hates a lukewarm Christian, Uh, We also see the comparison in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 4. God separated the the light from the darkness. That's the first time in the Bible that we see uh, the principle of separation. But point number 4 is prayer, is prayer. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I can usually turn to these passages of Scripture real quick, but as soon as you get behind a pulpit, it's like you forget where everything is in your Bible. It's like turn to Genesis, and I'm back here like, I know it's here somewhere. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Real simple verse. I don't know if we have the time to read it here tonight. Verse number 17. Pray without ceasing. 
It was one of the first verses that I ever memorized as a kid. Pray without ceasing. Very easy verse to memorize, but a very major truth that we need to learn in our lives. Pray without ceasing. Um, so I, I said that I'm a landscaper, uh, and one of the things about landscaping, it's not like a normal job to where you know, you're working next to somebody at a desk or you're working next to people at an office or something like that. When you're landscaping, you're usually dealing with loud equipment, so you can't talk to anybody. You're usually just by yourself. Like if you're in a lawnmower, you go over there and you mow the lawn. If you're a weed wagger, you go over there. You're trimming bushes, you go over there, but you're never with someone else. And so I find uh, with myself while I'm landscaping, while I'm working, <clears throat> I would just talk to God. And I, I swear, people probably thought, you know, the customers probably would look out the window and be like, this guy's psycho. He's out there just having a conversation with himself. Uh, and I would just be out doing whatever I'm doing, whether it was mowing the grass or weed whack or whatever, and I'd just be talking to God. I'd just be out there no, no, just doing my thing but talking to God. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of what it's talking about. You know, it's talking about in every really area that we're at in our life, we need to just be praying. We need to be in that constant state of prayer. Uh, and I also kind of think about with um, Nehemiah. Uh, in the beginning of Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah is presented with the problem that over in Jerusalem, the walls are broken down, they're burned with fire, uh, and he goes in before the king. Uh, and real, it's a real small statement, but it's, it's hidden right there in that passage of scripture. It says, uh, you know, I went before the king, the king said, what's wrong with you? And it says, I'm kind of quoting, I might be butchering a little bit, but it pretty much, you know, and I prayed right there in that moment. Uh, or I, I, and I prayed, and I kind of thought the first time I've ever read that, I remember thinking to myself, what, did he just get on his knees and start praying right there? And the king probably thought he was crazy, like, like hey, uh, Nehemiah, what do you want? And Nehemiah just gets, no, any king in that day would just, all right, get this guy out of my court, off with his head, he's gone. Uh, but I believe uh, in that moment uh, that he was faced with that decision right there, and I believe that in his mind he was like, Lord, I, I pray, just help me, God. King, this is, what I, this is what I need. And we need to constantly be in that state of always relying on God uh, for whatever things that come across our path. Sometimes you're faced with things to where it's like, you don't even have time to like think about it, but you gotta be able to be like, Lord, I pray you'd help me right now. And I know I've, I've had plenty of opportunities like that or circumstances where something came across my path to where you know it just happened so quickly and it was like, what am I supposed to do? And, but those are the moments where you just need to take just a brief second in your mind and just be like, Lord, I need your help in this situation right now. And I've had plenty of situations where it's like, if I didn't have God, if I didn't have you know, the, the, the ability to pray unto Lord, the Lord, as it says in Hebrews, you know, coming boldly before his throne, I believe that even in those moments that we're boldly coming before his throne, but we need to constantly be uh, in a state of prayer. Pray without ceasing. I don't think that it, uh, you, know, you know, if it wasn't possible, it wouldn't be here in this verse. Uh, but when it comes to praying, uh, the first thing that we need to do is we need to thank him. We always got to remember to thank God for, you know, a lot of times we are always just coming right before God, like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Lord, I pray, give me this. I pray, do this, blah, blah, blah. We're just going on with God. Like almost if he's like our magic genie, like whenever we're in trouble or whenever we need something, you know, we're rubbing the, the lamp and like, Lord, I pray, just help me. And we're waiting for God. And I, I feel like sometimes when we do that, that the Lord is just up in heaven. Like, like I love you. I'm going to do it for you. But like, you're very, uh, you, need to, you need to thank me more. Uh, and it even says that here in this chapter, I think about verse 16, it says rejoice evermore. 
And then in verse 18, uh, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. It's another one of those things where it's clearly, clearly revealed to us what the will of God is for each of our life. Uh, the other chapter, it was you're not conforming, but in this chapter, it's in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, and so bef- just take a moment before you pray and say, Lord, I just thank you for all you've done. Go down a list. You know, I, I challenge you to just try to write down everything you're thankful for. Just once you get so at first, you're like, I can't think of anything. But then you really get going and you're like, what? Before you know it, you're going to have a whole book filled with just how great God is, all the things God has done for you. Take a time to pray. Uh, and don't ask God for something. That, that's actually something really hard to do. I've been burning, uh, challenged by other preachers to do that. Like, they'll be like, I want you just to pray right now, but try not to God, ask God for anything. That's hard. And you go like, dear Lord, I pray for a nice day. And you're like, oh, I already, I already asked him for something. Uh, but just thank God for just all he's done. Thank him for, you know, his love and mercy. Thank him for his grace. Thank, thank him for the church that you go to, the family that you have. Uh, the friends that you have, you know, I'm very thankful for the friends that the Lord has put into my life. Uh, but just go down the list and thank him. When's the last time you thanked him for this great nation that we live in or this great book that we have to read? And uh, just, you know, if you, you know, I heard a preacher say one time, if you were to, if God were to say, all right, I'm taking everything away from you right now except for everything you thanked me for this morning, what would you be left with? What would you be left with? And I remember thinking to myself, like, Wow, I don't even know what I'd be left with. I'd probably, he'd probably take everything away from me. But think about it. If Lord were to take away everything right now that, you've, that, that you didn't thank him for in the last week, even in the last month, what about in the last year? What would you be left with? And so we need to thank God, but we also need to ask him. And the Lord said, ask. And, you know, in, in Matthew talks about, you know, ask. Just, just ask me. You know, I'm going to give it to you if you ask. And I've also heard the illustration that, you know, you die and you go off to heaven. God's giving you a tour around heaven. He's showing you all the stuff, and he opens up this door. And it's this room that's just filled with all this awesome stuff. And you're like, Lord, what is all this? And the Lord says, well, that's all the stuff you could have had if you, could have, if you would have asked me for it. So we need to thank God. We need to ask him. So we see number one. I'm almost finished here. Number one, we have faith. We need to have faith. Faith like a child, the faith of a mustard seed. Number two, humility. We need to be low. We need to lift God up. Number three, separation. God hates a lukewarm Christian. Uh, number four, we have prayer. We got to remember to thank him. We got to remember that we can ask God for anything. Point number five uh, is our Bible reading. Point number five is our Bible reading. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, just a couple books over. It's only a couple books over, but it'll take me probably a couple minutes to get there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verse number 15. Verse number 15, a very familiar passage of Scripture. You know, I have a fear that sometimes you'll, you'll see these verses that are very super familiar. And because they're so familiar to you, you miss the truth that God has packed inside of them. But we see here in verse number 15, very familiar passage of Scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we see here, study to show thyself. I want to be approved I want God to look at me and say, approved. Or I don't want God to look at me and be like, get out of here. Uh, like the pastor scripture talks about with, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, uh, get away from me, thou, thou wicked and slothful servant. I want God to look at me. I want to be approved of God. I want to be recognized by the Lord uh, for being someone that was 
uh, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth, you know, study. We need to study, study. You know, sometimes just reading the Bible isn't good enough. There are many times where I'll read over something and I'll be like, I have no, God, no idea what that means, Lord. All right, I'm going to go out throughout my day. What was the point of even reading it then if you didn't even understand what it meant? Sometimes we need to really just study out a passage of Scripture. I find that sometimes when you start studying out a passage of Scripture, it's like, wow, look at this verse. And it's like, well, that kind of reminds me of this verse over here. And I'll go there, and I'll be like, wow, look at that. And I'll be like, wait a second. And I'll just back and forth all over the place. I'll have notes like go from uh, 2 Timothy to Genesis to Revelation to First Thessalonians, I'll just, just connecting all the dots of just um, all these different things, but we need to study God's word. If we don't study God's word, we're not going to be approved unto God. Uh, we need to study, but we also need to be uh, daily in the word of God. We need to be daily in the word of God. And this is something that sometimes I struggle with. We all struggle with it. Uh, we need to just be daily in the word of God. One person that I, could, I really look up to when it comes to this is my pastor. Uh, my pastor is somebody that I can say with a with complete certainty that he is somebody that just loves the word of God. And I know that he is in that word of God um, every day. He does a blog. Uh, he has a, blog, a daily blog that he does um, on his website that he has. And um, you just read that. And you're like, whoa. Like, you got all that? And it, it's always updated at like five in the morning. I'm like, how in the world do you do this? Like, it's updated so early and it's so profound and it's so deep. And uh, he's someone that just strives for just learning the Word of God, and then teaching the Word of God. Um, I was telling Pastor that, my, that Pastor Erickson, he is, he is somebody that when he preaches, yeah, he's preaching to you, but he's, he's such a teacher as well. And he actually taught at Vision Baptist College where I went to college, and he, some of his classes were my favorite. Uh, and not just because he was my pastor, and I might have been a little bit biased, but uh, just because of the depth of how much he would search out the Word of God. But we need to be in it daily. I think of uh, the verse, Psalm 119, 105, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, uh, I'm going to be going home back to New Jersey at some point tonight. Uh, but when I get into my truck and I start it up and I turn my headlights on, because it's very dark outside, and I turn those headlights on, I'm not expecting my headlights to shine from here in Connecticut all the way to where I live in Galloway, New Jersey. I'm not, I'm not expecting that at all. Uh, my headlights are actually kind of messed up, and they point right at the ground, like directly in front of my truck. And so, but when I turn on my headlights, I'm not expecting them to show me my entire journey ahead of me. No, my headlights, what do they do? They light, they light up, especially my truck, they light up the road that's directly in front of you. Uh, same thing with if you're walking in the, in the dark with a flashlight and you got your, your, your flash, you're not going to turn your flashlight on and it's going to shine all the way to where you're going. No, it's lighting up what's directly in front of you so you don't trip and fall on your face. You know, I've had that many times happen. I remember the power went out in a thunderstorm one time at my house. I was like, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that awesome grown-up guy. I was probably like 12. I was like, I'm going to go check the fuse in the, in the basement. And I walked into the basement. I shined the, sh the flashlight. All, it was probably like the distance from here to the piano. And I, sh I shined it all the way over there. I was like, oh, there it is. And I just started walking while well, I was pointing right at it. And I stepped on the end of a plug. Um, I don't know, stepping on the end of a plug in Legos and Hot Wheels cars might be the worst things to ever step on in your bare feet. And I stepped on that thing, and I went down quicker than the Titanic. I just was like, whoo, and I was out on the ground. Flashlight broke. It's all over the floor. Now it's dark. I can't see. My foot hurts. And why? Because I was trying to see what was way ahead of me instead of what was directly in front of my feet. 
And that's what reading the Bible every day is like. Uh, we're, not trying, we're not lighting up our entire passage. We're not lighting up the whole road. We're lighting up what's right in front of us so we can take that next step. So that we, we shine it down and we take that next step. Because if you know, we shine too far forward, we're gonna, I'm, going, I'm going forward that way. But I'm shining that way and I, what? There's a step here. And then I'm gone. I'm tumbling down the steps. And then you find yourself in a predicament where you're like, you're hurt now. and you're, That's what it's like when you don't read the Bible. You know, the Bible talks about how the word of God is the sword. And it's part of the, I, reading the Bible is like putting your armor on in the morning. You know, if you don't put that armor on, you're going to walk outside and you're going to get shot by one of the arrows of the devil. Uh, and so that's another reason why, because we're going to end up getting hurt if we fall, if we're not reading the Bible every day. I heard the statement one time that, you know, you don't end up, you know, not being in the Bible or being completely out of church by it just happening. You know, it, 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 that hundred days of not reading your Bible started with the second day of you not reading your Bible and the first day of you not reading your Bible. So I challenge you to just read your Bible every single day. Uh, and then the last point that I have here, number one, we saw faith. We need to have the faith of a child, the faith of a, mu- uh, and a the faith the size of a mustard seed. Number two, we need to be humble. We need to be low. We need to lift God up. Number three, we need to be separated. God hates a lukewarm Christian. Number four, we need to pray. We need to remember to thank God. We need to remember to ask God for what we need. Number five, our Bible reading. We need to be studying. We need to be studying daily. And then the last point that I have here, and I, I feel like for a Christian that this kind of, like I said, you could make a list a mile long of all the things that you need to be a good Christian. You got to tithe, and you know, the pastor says amen. You got to do all these different things to be a good Christian. Yeah, those, those things do fall under the category of what it means to be a good Christian, uh, but I believe if you study out the scriptures that you're going to learn, I need to tithe. And you need to learn that, you know, I need to praise God on all these different things. But this last point, I feel like it kind of really sums the whole thing up. Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Some of you all might know where I'm going. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Famous passage of scripture about charity. About charity. The last point here is love. We need to have love. You know, I'm, I, every time I get behind the wheel of my truck, I am, I am, the Lord completely convicts me about you need to be a loving Christian. You get down, you go down that road and you got someone driving in that left lane and they're just going really slow. They got no destination in mind. They're just tooting along real slow. Speed limit's like 50 and they're going like 35 and all of a sudden you become like the most ungodly person in the world. You're laying on the horn, you're yelling out the window, you're waving uh, and I'm guilty of that. I drove four hours, four or five hours to get here, and there was a lot of people that drove in that left lane, and they were going way too slow to drive in that left lane. You know what you do. You, put your, you get real close to them, and then you back up, and then you get real close to them again, and then they still don't move. You're like, oh, I had enough of this. You know, you get into the right lane, and you, you make sure that you put your foot as far down the gas pedal as you can get. You want them to hear your engine revving up to 7,000 RPMs as you pass them, you know, and you're just, you're looking at them as you pass them, and you're like, yeah, I'll get over, and you get in front of them, and the real good Christians, you get in front of them, and then you slow down real slow. Um, that's not me, though, don't, that's not me. Love, we need to have love. <coughs> Excuse me. First Corinthians chapter number 13, first verse says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. 
Um, charity can basically be sub- summed up as love, or more specifically, love in action. Um, I might be able to get up here and speak like the greatest orator you have ever heard of in your entire life, and I could get up here and speak and sound like one of the angels, like I could just sound perfect to you, but if I don't have charity, if I don't have this love, you know, I'm just, uh, it says like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, those are both instruments that are very loud. Uh, we used to have a lady in our church that used to play the trumpet, and you couldn't hear any of the other instruments, all you heard was that trumpet, and um, you know, uh, I wrote real small in my Bible right here. I don't know when I wrote it. I don't know if a preacher said it, but it just says, just making noise. Without charity, we might be the best order. We might be the best singer or whatever, but if you don't have love, um, what, we're just up here making noise. There's no point of what we're doing. Verse number two, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains. That's what I was talking about back in uh, Matthew with that, that faith the size of a mustard seed. We might have that faith. Uh, we might have that, you know, it, it says right there, we have the faith to move mountains, but have not charity, I am nothing. And so that's kind of why I kind of picked this as the last one as it sums everything up. We might have faith. We might have humility and separation. We might pray and read our Bibles, but if we don't have love, then the Bible says it very clearly right there, we're nothing. Verse number three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You know, you might give away everything that you have. You might give your house to somebody that needs a house. You might give your car to somebody that needs a car. Uh, You might take your bank account, and you might just drain it into whatever, whatever charity or whatever, if you don't have the love of God, this charity that it's talking about in this chapter, you don't have anything. You have nothing at all. And I forgot to mention it with the faith. You know, it talks about, though, I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all. You might be the smartest guy around. But if you don't have charity, what is it, what is it worth? And, you know, people that are really smart should have charity because you all know that if you got someone that's really smart, it's like, you, you know, you're just like... Here he goes again, just telling us everything he knows. Uh, But if you have not charity, you are nothing. Keep on reading. Uh, Charity, in verse number four, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. You know, it's, you know, no matter what you face, people might come at you, people might do you wrong. But if you have charity, you suffer long. You have long suffering. Uh, charity is kind. And, you know, it, it's always kind to others. Charity envieth not. You don't see what other people have. You're content with what you have. Um, verse number five. Doth not behave, <clears throat> doth not behave itself unseemly. Uh, you know, it's mature. It's appropriate. I think of uh, the Bible talks about uh, David uh, and, you know, David behaved himself very wisely. I think David was somebody that had love, uh, but does not behave itself unseemly. That's talking about it. it's always mature, it's always appropriate. Seeketh not her own. Uh, talking about with pride, it's not trying to build itself up. It seeketh not its own. Is not easily provoked. And, you know, that's a, that's a big one for me. That's something that I deal with. I have a friend back in Jersey, uh, love him to death, one of my best friends, uh, uh, brother in Christ, been, he's been my friend since I was very young. 
But he's one person that for some reason, it's like his goal in life. And he is the perfect person for it. He knows exactly what buttons to push. And he knows exactly how to get underneath of my skin. And I'm not going to lie. There's been times where, you know, I've, I say snap like if I like lost it. But, you know, where I get angry, I'm like, dude, okay, you got to stop now. It's time to calm down. Uh, but the Bible talks about right here, <clears throat> if we have that charity, uh, you know, it's not easily provoked. You know, those things are going to come at you and it's going to be like, eh, it's fine, I love you. <laughs> like, uh, it's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Uh, you know, if we're having a mind of love and of charity, we don't think evil against each other. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but uh, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For we now see through a glass darkly, but then face to face I know in part, but then shall I know, even, all, even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And so we see there just in that whole passage that I read right there, that, that end of the chapter, you know, all these different things, they're going to vanish away. Uh, you know, at some point, um, unless the Lord returns, we're all going to find ourselves at the end of our life dying. Um, you know, it's a given. Each breath that you breathe is one breath closer to the last. And, you know, some of you, that, that you're like, I'm not looking forward to that day. Uh, and I know it's like that for me, but you know, that's just the way that life goes. And, you know, we're going to fade away. Knowledge, you know, you might be the smartest guy ever, but when you die, that's not going to matter anymore. Knowledge, it's going to pass away. Prophecies are going to pass away. Preaching is going to pass away. All these different things, they're, they're just, they're going to be gone. They're just going to be gone. I was thinking about these flowers, you know, these flowers look awesome right now. Uh, but you give them, you forget to water them, you give them about a month, there's not going to be any leaves on those. They're going to all be withered up. But charity, charity is like the flower that, you know, at our church we actually have fake uh, poinsettias. Um, they, we don't need to water them. We put them up in bags and throw them into the attic, and then next year we just brush the dust off them and put them back. Um, if we have charity, that's never going to go away. Um, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be just as strong, as beautiful, as perfect as it is. Charity is never going to go away. And so, you know, uh, you know, if you take one of these ingredients out, you know, the recipe, the end result is not going to be the same. We need to have faith. We need to be, uh, have that faith like a child, the faith the size of a mustard seed. That's where it all begins. Uh, we need to be humble. We can't be lifted up. We can't be proud. We've got to be lifting God up. We need to be separated. Uh, we'll never make it in the Christian life if we're um, conforming to what the world says we need to be. You know, God hates uh, if we're lukewarm, uh, we need to pray. We need to always remember to thank God. We always need to remember to just ask God for um, all, of, all the things that you know, we need in our life, um, whether that's, you know, I need, Lord, I need you to help me. I need to pay off my school bill. Uh, or if it's something else, something little, Lord, I need a new car or something like that. There's no prayer that's too big or too small for God. We need to pray. 
Uh, we need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be studying, but we need to be in the Word of God daily so that we know the, the next step that we're supposed to take uh, and so that we know uh, that we're protected against the wiles of the devil. Uh, but last, we need to have that love. We need to have that uh, charity. I didn't turn to, but I think of Ephesians 4, uh, 32, just talking about forgiving one another, even as Christ, uh, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That falls under charity. A lot of time we hold grudges. Um, a lot of times, and a lot of churches, you know, you have the family that sits over here, and then you have the family that sits over here, and they sit over there because, you know, uh, they got into a fight, and they don't want to look at each other during the church service. Uh, but as Christians, it is our duty, it's our commandment to forgive one another. That falls under charity. That falls under that love. Uh, and so, you know, I just hope that that was a blessing to you. Uh, I'm thankful for just the Lord speaking to me just with this passage of Scripture, these passages of Scriptures. And like I said, you could make a list that's three miles long of all the different things uh, that we need to do as Christians. But I just feel like those are some important things that we need to apply to our life, to our hearts, uh, in order to be a better Christian. And so I'm going to pray here, and then I'll turn it over to you, Pastor Schott. So uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for today. God, I just thank you for all that you do. I do thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy in our lives. God, we're thankful for uh, the cross. We're thankful for Calvary. Uh, Lord, this time of the year, we're thankful for the manger. God, we're thankful for uh, you coming and being born of a virgin, uh, born, as we sang, born to die upon Calvary. Uh, we're thankful for that, God, and we just pray that you please just uh, be with the uh, rest of tonight. I'm just thankful for the privilege to be able to preach. I'm thankful for the privilege to be able to serve you. Uh, Lord, I, I deserve to be uh, doing the lowest of the low of jobs, God, but I'm just thankful that uh, you called me to serve you, and I'm thankful I get to serve you, God. I'm thankful for uh, just the blood that washed away all my sin. I pray you just bless the rest of tonight. We're just thankful for how good you are, Lord. Uh, we ask all this in the wonderful, holy, and precious name of Jesus. Amen.